This is Jack Donovan, author of The Way of Men, and you're listening to Start the World. Uh, my first guest today is uh, Bradley Taylor Hicks. Uh, he's one of my wizard friends. Uh, and so we're going to talk about wizard stuff. Uh, he, you know, he, uh, his website is, is albiongrove.com, and I'll put up a, a thing of how to spell that. And he, he's been a, a, a pagan, and we're both in the same tier journal. You can see it uh, uh, on his shelf um, behind him. And uh, beyond that, there you go. Uh, it's a it's a great uh, edition. I have an article in it. He has an article in it. And uh, beyond that, I'm just going to turn it over to you, Bradley, and uh, you know, tell the audience a little bit about uh, where you started out, where you are now. Um, well, I started out in England uh, as a young lad, and I years ago this year. Uh, but I, I became a pagan where I grew up in the middle of Epping Forest which is this wonderful ancient place in the, in the south of England, in Essex. There are, are two Iron Age hill forts very close to where I grew up uh, that were built by the, the Trinovante Celtic tribe. And I just knew that that was the place where I felt most connected to everything. Um, when I was out there in the woods, it was far better than, uh, than being stuck in choir roads in church on a Sunday, as many young English lads were forced to. Uh, and that was sort of where I became in touch with my spirituality and, and realizing that, uh, that the, the, the cathedral of oaks and beech trees was, was far superior to the, uh, to the hard pews of uh, St. Mary's Church in Loughton. Um, but I emigrated out here when I was 18. And by the time I was 19, I started working in museums. Uh, and I did museum work for about 20 years. I uh, started out life as a blacksmith. Um, before that became very, very popular as it is now. Uh, and uh, I spent a number of years, probably eight or nine years as a blacksmith. And then a number of years after that doing traditional woodworking and carpentry. And now I am a, a peddler of magical talismans and amulets. And uh, so I, I've turned my craft into my own business. Uh, I run a business called Albion Grove. Uh, I travel to, to festivals all around the Southeast. Um, and I create magical items uh, from necklaces to wands, uh, uh, but all with an eye to sort of the, the European pagan world from which I've, I've come. And so uh, you're making them out of, I know the one that you gave me was out of like an antler, uh, I think, I believe. Yeah, that's right. And I, yeah. I think I, I sent you one for your Thor uh, altar as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. And that one was carved out of, uh, out of Florida swamp dragon. That one's, that one's alligator bone. Yeah, I liked that. Uh, <laughs> not too many people have a, a Thor's hammer uh, made out of uh, swamp dragon. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's there's a few Florida folk around here that are sporting them now. So yeah. I'm, I'm glad to have started that. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, I, I think with with what I'm doing, I, I, my investigation of all these things is evolving. All right. So you said you you came from England and. Uh, but I, I think you spent a, a large portion of um, your ritual practice for years and years was, you know, very connected to the the uh, Germanic tradition. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I started out as a youngster, um, like like most people do. I think when they 
first approach paganism, uh, reaching out for whatever you can get your hands on. Um, and at the time, the only thing you could find in bookstores, you know, these sort of few Wiccan books that had sort of fallen off the shelves. Um, so as a, as a kid, it's a, it's a good place to start. But of course, very quickly evolved beyond that. Uh, at least I, I found that I did. Um, I sort of think of, of Wicca as like a, a gateway drug to real paganism. Uh, you know, it's, just, it's like you know, it's a it's a good place to start, but it, but at the end of the day, you read so many books and you start to realize that you're just reading the same thing over and over and over again. And you look for something deeper and, and really the greater meaning. And so I think that that can lead down some some pretty interesting paths. But for me, my connection was always in that Iron Age hill fort. It was called Loughton Camp. Um, and my connection was always to that place. But this is an ancient place. This is where ancient people worship their ancient gods. And I needed to do the same. I, was, I felt compelled to do the same. So I did. Um, but after I, I turned 18 and I moved over to the States, I lost that connection to the earth. And so there, there sort of becomes this wandering of, of spirituality where you lose that touchstone so you sort of say to yourself well then what is it where do i go where's my where's my new iron age hill fort what do i do as an immigrant to this country where there is no celtic hill fort that i can go to where there is no saxon burial mound that i can go and sit on top of where where is my spirituality you know that's Which, the actual that's a very american problem it, it is. It's yeah, a very you know, American problem. That's a very American problem, and and I think that that's part of what it actually means to anyone who you know came to America or whose ancestors came to America. Uh, you know, you have this uh, European background, but it's you know uh, most most Americans are European butts. I mean, you know, like it's not like we're. I am completely French. You know that that's <laughs> that's not that's not yeah, really something yeah. that happens out here, and so you have to. Uh, find some connection to something, but it's it's going to be different and it's going to be bigger. I, I, I was actually talking to a friend of mine recently, and he said something about. Uh, in, in many ways, there are a lot of places that in America that are a lot more like the steps, you know, like where there you know these wide open spaces and there's horses running around, and that's that's uh, that's a different uh, vibe from a lot of a lot of uh, what Europe was. And uh, so it's a different, it's a different kind of place. And and there's something that you said to me actually, like when we uh, when we met and uh, hung out in Florida, about uh, you know even like Native American spaces and so forth. You know, like you don't. Some people were so worried about you know being connected to their particular thing. You know, and you you said that you know like in a way all of this is part of the same manifestation of the same thing. And so you don't have to be, you can enjoy their thing and the other thing and whatever, and you don't have to segregate, segregate yourself off. Yeah. I, I think that um, when we look at some of these sort of ancient sites in, uh, in England, for instance, you know, we, we look at megalithic sites that then became um, Celtic sites and, and later Saxon sites and then later Christian sites, you know, you get churches built on top of mounds. And um, 
you know, we, we tend to think, oh, you know, the, well, the Christians have come in and they've, they've dominated this area and they've shown their dominance by building this church on this ancient sacred place. Um, but it's just as likely that the Saxons came in and dominated the area and took over that sacred space from the Celts. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that places of power are places of power and that they exist. I don't know if you want to call them ley lines or things like that. I mean, there's lots of explanations um, that people can conjure up. But I think you know when you walk into a place or you walk into a space and you just feel in your heart that this is special. This is, this is something set aside from the rest of the world, whether that's for a larger group of people or maybe just for you. You know, who, who's to say? But the idea of creating sacred space and reclaiming sacred space is something that I think is really important, uh, especially to American pagans. Because the, the Europeans, they've got it really easy, right? I mean, I was over in Denmark several years ago. And you can't throw a stone without hitting a circle or a stone ship, um, you know, or an ancient burial mound. It's all right there. You can go out and you can do a ritual. You can spend yeah, they kind of take it for granted. A lot of them don't like, even know where the stuff is. Like, uh, right. I went over, right. when I went over to Germany, uh, I, I, I went to a place where, uh, you know, pagans had been actually performed human sacrifices and, and so forth. And it, there's a big museum there. It's an open-air museum. And uh, it, there's all these reconstructions and all this evidence that this has been used as a site for, for thousands of years. And, uh, you know, I talked to some other, some Germans who were into that. And they're like, oh, where's that? And, uh, and I'm like, this is like one of the oldest sites in, in Europe. This is so cool. How do you not know about this? I found out about it on the internet. <laughs> you know, and yeah. decided yeah. I had to come here. Uh, you know, but they, yeah, they just don't, they just don't, uh, they're so close to it, I think, that maybe they, you know, they take it for granted a little bit. I, absolutely. I mean, through my entire childhood, I never went to Stonehenge. Yeah, no, it's an hour and a half from where I lived. I never went there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had to go back as a tourist. Uh, but but I, I think that, uh, that there is a degree of that. But I think that what that's led to here in the United States is this really exciting exploration of European paganism um, because because we don't have that, because we can't just walk into those sites. So now we have to, to find other avenues, and we have to look a little bit deeper. So it becomes a case of, uh, as, a, as a, a, a mutual friend of ours once said, well, the Vikings didn't bring the, uh, the spirits of the land, the whites and cat carriers on their longships when they reached Vinland and let them out, you know, the, the boy thing. So we have to go out and we have to find it. But then we also, I believe, in ancestral memory. Um, I think ancestral memory is, is a, a huge part of, um, of practicing any kind of capital P paganism. Um, so if that's the case, then, and then we carry it with us, then the knowledge is already within us, and we can just sort of tap into it. It's, it's just buried down there. Uh, so, so we don't have to have the stone circles. Uh, you know, um, Eric the Red didn't leave his gods behind when he reached Greenland. Uh, so there's no reason as a modern pagan and a modern immigrant uh, coming here that I should leave my gods behind in England and try to adopt sort of a, an American native path. That would be ridiculous. Um, it's much easier for me 
to reach back into my own soul and into my own spirit and and find what my ancestors were doing there. And so that's that that brings us back to the the Indo-European world, of course, that you've written so much about. Yeah, I mean, it's like the, that Nietzschean concept of becoming what you are. Uh, you know, you it, you just this is what I'm attracted to. This is what I'm going to do, regardless. You know, I can only be right. what I'm going to be, uh, and and yeah, I can't go. Like I said, I like you mentioned, a lot of Americans are like, well. Uh, I'm going to go, you know, do Native American spirituality or something like that. But they're just not, they're not the same people. And, uh, you know, that's, it's, it's okay for different people to do different things and to have different things in them. And, uh, but, you know, I also don't assume that about anyone or, you know, like you don't really know what anyone's ancestry is, you know, exactly. at the end of the day, you know, you do, you do, people do their, you know, 23 and me or whatever, and they come up with stuff that they would never have known or it turns out grandma was wrong. You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that yeah. happens a lot. You know, yeah. uh, a buddy of mine actually got got his back the other day, and I was I was sure he had some Slav in him. I was sure <laughs> I would have put money on it, and uh, nope, not not a trace. Uh, and he, he just totally looks like he yeah. would have have some uh, some Slavic in him. Uh, but uh, I um I, I remember when when I first came to America and started talking to uh, Americans about ancestry because uh, Americans are wonderfully proud of their heritage. You know, they have like these huge Celtic festivals, and Highland Games, and, you know, there's the Sons of Norway and there's the German American club. And I think, I think people really love their ancestry. Um, but I remember when I first came, I said 20 odd years ago, everybody, everybody had a Cherokee princess in their ancestry. And I was hearing this as an immigrant thinking, wow, it's really strange. But of course, now people are finding, well, this is, this is perhaps not the case. You know, I do my DNA. Um, and as accurate as or inaccurate as that is, I don't know, but I'm not a scientist. Um, but a lot of people are like, well, you know, we have a lot of myths, a lot of myths running around. You know, I, I, I did mine. I was very surprised to find out I had a lot of French in me. I had to take back a lot of awful things that I've said over the years. <laughs> All your anti-French sentiment. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, all out the window. Love right, them now. Right. Yeah, yeah. Love, love, love the French. <laughs> yep, fantastic. Yeah, not eating snails, though. No, not today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's, um, I, I saw uh, this morning uh, uh, that you had posted on Instagram, actually, that you do a bind rune every yeah. year. Yeah. And, uh, so I guess let's talk a little bit about that. How do you, how do you come through the process of making uh, – Using runes, uh, making bind runes, and I guess that's a really big question. Uh, using runes, making bind runes, and you know, what does it, what does it give back to you uh, on a spiritual level? Right. So, so I'm going to assume that most of your listeners have sort of a basic understanding of runes. Not necessarily. Uh, Not necessarily. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so, but go so, ahead. So, so at the fundamental level, then runes are sort of the ancient alphabet of the Northern European world. Uh, I think that's a pretty safe way to say that. Uh, and just like anything, it evolves over time. Uh, and so there are numerous different runes. There are numerous rune poems that were written in the medieval period um, in Iceland and England. Um, and so we, we've got a pretty decent understanding uh, of what these runes meant. And so 
we can take that and extrapolate from it how they may have been used within a within a magical context. And I think when people think about runes today, they think about you know those rune sets, you know these gemmed sets that they buy. Ba baby's first rune set at from Barnes and Noble or whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Ralph, yeah, yeah. the Ralph Blum. Uh, you know, book of runes, which is is, is terrible, and, and of course, I would I would never recommend it to anyone. Um, but of course, it was also my first rune set. Uh, <laughs> but people think about, well, this is you know, for for reading runes, we're going to tell the future is sort of like tarot cards or something like that. Um, but for me, that's that's sort of one that's one percent of the runes. You know, is is using them for the divination. Uh, for me, the runes are a meditative tool. Uh, they're they're a focusing tool, um, and I think they can be absolutely employed within a, a magical context. Uh, so, for creating a bind rune, I think once you have a, a good understanding of the runes, a good fundamental understanding of the runes. You can start to to mix and meld them together uh, to with in, with intention uh, to give you a focal point uh, and then sort of release it out into the world uh, and that's what I've done for the last three years uh, in January I've created my focus for the year this is what I want to do this is where I want to go this is what I want for myself by the end of the year um, and then I, I find the runes that are most closely associated with those principles. And then I, I meld them together and I shape them and I work them into a nice aesthetic uh, because aesthetics are very important in magic. Um, and then I, I put it out on Instagram for everybody to look at and give me just a little bit of their good wishes and their good luck and uh, and then I, I hope that that sort of gives it some life and you know, knock on wood for the last three years so far it's been working quite well for me good 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 that's good to hear <laughs> um as far as uh, you know runes and working with them go i mean obviously there's there's a lot of different there's a lot of different systems and a lot of different ways to work um but uh can you tell me a little bit more about, I don't know, um, your own, do you use, do you use Elder Futhark or just Younger Futhark? No, I use the Elder Futhark. Okay, cool. uh, And sometimes the Anglo-Saxon Futhark because that's, that's sort of the, the Futhark of England. Well, yeah, obvi obviously. So, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but, but generally, I'll, I work with the Elder Futhark. Um, I'm a, I'm a member of the Rune Guild, so you know I, I will uh, absolutely embrace most of what uh, Edric Dawson has, has come up with in the Rune world, and I think he's a great resource um, for for people who are getting into runes. Tell me the question again. <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, no. That's that's fine. We were just talking about the different food arcs and which ones you use. But oh, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the real question that I wanted to ask was uh, I get this question constantly uh, from readers. And everybody wants to ask me, like, where do I start? You know, they want to talk about ritual. They want to talk about the Germanic paganism and so forth. Like, where do I start? And so I, I think that would be a good question for you. Like, what, what's your answer? I mean, because I have my answer. I usually send them to um, 
as far as for, for Germanic paganism specifically, I actually send them to uh, Edward Thorson's book, The Northern, um, the Northern Dawn, mm-hmm. just because yeah, it's right. a nice overview of like, this is the big picture of what you're yeah. looking at. And then, then go to the source material, go to all these things. But uh, where do you send people to? How do you tell people to get started in, 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 in this kind of practice? Northern Dawn is actually an excellent place to start. And uh, a piece of trivia for you, the most recent edition of that, I did the graphic design for some of the interior. Oh, nice. Uh, of that particular book now available from arcadiaeuropamedia.com. Um, I, I think with runes, there, there's three books that I, I recommend for anybody starting out in the rune world. Uh, the first one is the Rune Workbook by Leon D. Weil. It's a great primer. I think it takes a lot of um, the work that's, that Edred Thorson has done, and it's just condensed it into an excellent starter, very, very basic, easy to understand book. Uh, so I highly recommend that one. Uh, the other one that I recommend is by Stephen Pollington, and it's Rudiments of Rune Law, which is this tiny, skinny little pocketbook. Uh, but it's great because it has all of the rune poems in it. Uh, so it's a really good, fast, quick resource. You can sit there and go back to it time and time again. And the third one that I would recommend that's a little bit more advanced is Rune Law uh, by Edric Thorson, uh, because he talks about uh, the whys in Rune Law. Uh, mm-hmm. why runes are important, why they've evolved into the, the things that they've evolved in and, and sort of gets into a, a deeper context uh, with relation to each of the individual runes um, and their their meaning beyond, you know, I mean, like, yeah, okay, so say like the Uru's rune uh, represents the Aurochs, you know, this ancient primal beast of the Moors. Uh, but it also represents primal power and, and uh, it represents uh, virility and, and sort of the lower chakras, you know, that, that deep strength that, that comes from the, the lower area. Uh, so it, it gets a little bit more into that, into the more esoteric world. Um, and I've got that actually on my blog. Uh, those three books are on my blog. You know, the first three books you should read about runes. So if you go to uh, albiongrove.com, it'll be there. Cool, cool, cool. I mean, I guess then the next step, the next question that everyone asks, I think, is, is uh, I get this a lot. Uh, how do I do something without it feeling like play acting? Uh, <laughs> I get that a lot. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think you can. Uh, okay. I, think it, I think it's going to feel like play acting to begin with. But, you know, how do you play a violin without screeching twinkle, twinkle, little star for three months? Right. You know, it's, it, it, magic is a practice and it has to be practiced and you have to be prepared um, to feel awkward and vulnerable. Um, you don't have to do it in front of a live audience. You're in the privacy of your own home. Um, but. You know, you have to go through that. You have to, to be prepared to look like an idiot to yourself and feel like it's play acting because at some point a switch will occur and you'll know when you've got it right. 
Um, I, I had a friend of mine who asked me about doing ritual and um, uh, specifically writing rituals, and I, you know, because he, he does it for his, his tribe. And I said to him, you know, what the same thing that I did with my tribe for years, I would write it out, I would read from my script, I would have this elaborate ritual, and then the next year I would pull out that same script and I would tweak it and change it and see how I liked it and then do it again. And I would do it over and over and over for years. And then there reached a point where I just, I took that script and I just, I bundled it up and I threw it away because I didn't need it anymore because I'd absolutely internalized. So practice, do it the same way or nearly the same way over and over and over and over and over again and then never do it like that ever again. Because once you've absolutely absorbed the ability to understand the ritual, you can always do the whole thing without it. Um, it just becomes symbol and action in process. But, but I, don't, I don't think you can do it without feeling like it's play acting at the start with. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little bit of a fake it till you make it kind of situation, and yeah. and and, uh, and also, I mean, I think what people were expecting is that you know a lot of these people who were raised you know with these traditions many many years ago, or people who were raised with like Christianity or so forth today, uh, they have this whole period of indoctrination where they're doing the same thing, everyone's around them, so you're not going to feel weird, you know, right. like everyone's doing the same thing. They're ra well, this is what we do. You know, like, right. and it, it becomes, but you're, I mean, when you're doing this for your, by yourself or with a small group for the first time, um, you're, you're doing something that you're not familiar with and that you haven't, you don't have all that verification all around you and you're trying, you're trying something new. And anytime you try something new, you're going to feel uncomfortable. And, uh, right. and, and that doesn't mean that it's wrong or that it's silly or whatever. I think that humans need ritual. I've, I've always thought that. Uh, we need some kind of uh, ritual in our lives and some kind of uh, uh, connection to something bigger. And we just need to talk in symbols, I think, yeah. as, much as, as much as anything. You know, we need to talk in symbols and myths and ideas. And that's, that's where the beauty is in life. It, it is. You know, that's, absolutely. If, if you have... Um, if you have the outside mind instead of the inside symbolic mind, if you've got this sort of outside mind working and you're at a ritual and there's a, you know, it's basically it's a guy in a dress with a vessel full of liquid chanting in some strange language. And that's exactly the same whether you're at an Alcatru ritual or you're inside the Catholic church. So, you, you know, I mean, it may not be an address in an Alcatru ritual. I don't know. Maybe he's in a tunic, maybe he's in jeans and a t-shirt. But, but at the end of the day, if you're not involved symbolically in what's happening, it's going to look like that. But when you understand sort of the, the, this idea of, um, of the, the liquid and, and what it represents um, and the, the need of poetry and the transformative effects of it, uh, then, then it becomes a lot more important. But I think for those who are leading rituals, especially those who are leading group rituals, one of the best pieces of advice that was ever given to me um, was by, by my mentor, um, who was a great craftsman and, and also involved in, in paganism. Uh, he said to me that even the, the priests at Uppsala are probably standing there with 90% of the Vikings in front of them going, Fuck, I wish they would hurry up so I can get back to the mead hall. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? So you do it for the 10% to get it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, although I, I feel like, uh, you know, people who come to someone like you or someone like me and want to do some kind of ritual, they that's what's cool about because it's not compulsory you know they it's not compulsory so they they're coming because they want to have they they want to have an experience and they want to connect to something and they're not so in, in a way we we're lucky because we're dealing with people that are you know 100% on like they're all in right. and they want they're what they want to find something uh, you know and that's that's really you know, helpful. I think, you know, we don't have that, that drudgery of like, Oh, I guess, I guess I gotta go to ritual today. You know, it's there, there's not really that, but at the same time, yeah, you you do have, um, not everyone's going to connect with what you're doing and that's fine. Exactly. And and in my experience, there are spiritual pagans and logical pagans. Yeah. Like you, you know, you, you get these guys, uh, 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 my mentor was a logical pagan. He would say, I have the spiritual acumen of a mute, but I attend ritual because I know that I should and that's the thing to do. Mm-hmm. And that it, it sets me for the year and I feel like I've observed it and I feel better because I've done it. Um, but he was not the sort that was ever going to lead a ritual. Right. He was much more comfortable sitting there reading about it mm-hmm. than he was actually participating in it. But he did it because he knew that he should. Um, and so I, I think, well, why do you, that's actually, actually interesting. Let's talk about that. Why do you think that, uh, people think that they should? Because I think we need ritual. I think we yeah. need to, to mark the passing of the season. Um, I think we need manhood rituals and, you know, and, and I'm sure there are feminine rituals, which I can't speak to because I'm not a woman. Yeah, um, that's none of my you know, business. So, yeah, that's none of my business. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, yeah. I'm happy to, to to step outside of that and let the recesses take care of that. Um, but I, I think that there, there, there should absolutely be manhood rituals. There should be new rituals, um, rituals of, of binding to each other and marriage ceremonies and things like that. I think those are all important because we have to mark the passage of life. Yeah, in a, in a, in a way... You know, I was just thinking about this as we were talking. It's a little bit about because all all this whether you're when you're talking about rituals and you're talking about you know it's a it's a it's a theatrical thing to a certain extent. It's it's a it, it it's it's bigger than life. I mean, that's the idea. You're doing something. You're tapping into fantasy, and you're and you're really bringing the subconscious and and the world of dreams into and interfacing it with your your normal life to a certain extent. I mean, that's what you're doing. And so in a weird way, yeah, when you're marking a passage or so forth, you're, you're integrating you know, kind of the subconscious and the conscious in the, in the same, in the same thing, I guess. Is yeah. I, and I think a good example of that integration of the, the conscious and the subconscious um, is with Golder. Mm. Golder, I think is one of the most effective tools uh, that we have as, as wizards. You know, Germanic wizard. Um, so, so the idea of goldering is the intonation of a rune, mm-hmm. um, and it, it's one of these things where, it, it, to, to the modern mind and to the modern ears, when you start doing it, it sounds stupid. And it just it sounds ridiculous to stand there and sort of you know go. Ooh. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's what uh, I mean. A lot of people probably listening to this actually don't even know what Galder is. Um, and I, I, the old definition is you know, the way Americans do it, or the way modern people do it. You know, we we singing runes specifically. I mean, that's a different thing because there's the poetic style. You know, that that that's kind of the old definition of Galder or whatever. But uh, uh, I think we're probably talking about the exact same thing, um, where you're you know putting a rune out there. Right. And uh, a lot of times, it's really powerful, especially in a group. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, because you you know you get the whole bunch of guys basically to sing a rune, and hopefully they know the runes well enough. Again, you know, my, some might be waiting for dinner, but uh, hopefully they know the runes uh, well enough that those runes mean something to them, and they have a connection to them as well. And then uh, you, you're all singing the same rune at the same time. And uh, thinking, odd, hopefully, about the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so you're all on the same page. And, and uh, there's a cool moment that happens when you do that. Is, you know, and then there are tons of different groups who do the, something very similar to this. You know? Sure. And, uh, and it's been around for a while. Um, and you, know, you all basically, you get to a point where you're harmonizing mm-hmm. on that. And that's where it gets really cool. Then you get everybody's, you know, because singing is awkward for most people. Yeah. You know, singing yeah. is an awkward thing, especially a lot. A lot of men aren't very comfortable singing. Um, and it takes a while to find your voice. I I tried to throat sing for years, 
I suck at throat singing. I actually I think I damaged my vocal cords one year when I had a really bad cough and I was trying to throat sing and whatever. And I, I, I'll, I'll get to the, I'll get to the low place where it was really loud and then I'll start coughing and I would do that for years. Yeah. And so I just gave it up and I have a really, I have a really clear tenor uh, voice. Right. Yeah, like I, I, I have a really kind of big voice to sing with. And so I'm like, I just sing in my, in that voice. And I'm not yeah. trying to be someone else's voice or try to act like somebody else or whatever. I'll, I'll sing the voice that, that works for me. Mm-hmm. And so you get all these guys with their different voices because some people are really good at throat singing. Some people are do, good at uh, different things. And uh, you get them all on. But w- that point when they harmonize is when it's really good. You know, yeah. And then you can, everybody kind of feels their way through it. And then sooner or later, you'll know when to like take it up. And then you'll kind of all feel like it's done. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. It, like, it'll be like, we did this and now it's done, over. And that's right. something that you really, unless you've experienced that, you don't really know what we're talking about, but uh, you and I both do. And, and uh, you know, anyone who's done that, it, it is a pretty cool experience. You do it, you get five or six dudes together and, and then they're all yeah. harmonized. And then it's like, whoa. Yeah. And, and you get that exchange of energy. And yes. you, re- you really feel it. You really feel it. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and I mean, I, I've, I've done it in our, uh, in our groups where I'll have the men chant one room and mm-hmm. then I'll have the ladies chant another room. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you've got, you know, both sides of that energy intertwining. And that, that can produce some pretty interesting dynamics. Do you find that, that when you chant different rooms that they have their – not just not just their own cadence, but sometimes their own pitch. Um, do, do you find that it moves around a little bit? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, just there's there's the way the words are, you know, to a certain yeah. extent. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, uh, the last one we did actually, we did something for uh, uh, Solstice, and there's there's you can chant runes together, like in a sequence, and I've done that for years, you know, like you'll chant and that has a certain sound you find. Cause that's part of the thing It's aesthetics is, is important, right? Yeah. Uh, you, yeah. In the same way you make a bind rune, you put a bunch of runes together in a sequence and you're like, you order them in a way that this sounds cool. Like I, I like the way this, this sounds. And so I've done that before. I mean, there's, there's some old formulas that we've uh, used out of all gang for a really long time. Um, yeah. It, but then sometimes I'll want something simple because sometimes people trip over things if they get too complicated sure sure yeah, yeah. you know so uh when we did the thing for for solstice um rather than doing a, a suilo I, I i i stepped it up or back depending on how you look at it and, and just did soul you know because because i just wanted to do the soul and uh and you know i think if you step it back into proto-germanic it's 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 actually very similar to that as well uh, so it kind of gets complicated in, in the in the in the proto-Germanic. It's a willow, and then you know, early it's like yeah. solo or something like that. But uh, yeah, we just so we just did that, and uh, and that's because uh, I, I like it simple like that. At this point, I used to like it really complicated, but that, as time goes on, it's like let's just get on the same page. Let's do the thing and and, yeah. and lock it in. Because <laughs> you, know? you, you want to boil it down, right? I mean, you want you want to get the essence of it. Yeah. And especially when you're leading something with a larger group, I mean, this was a really tight group, so we all knew what we were doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, with a larger group, you're saying words that no one understands 
Uh, you know, half the group doesn't really know what you're talking about. And so you're trying to get yeah. them on the same page. So it has to be pretty simple sometimes with that as well. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like if I'm, ta- if I'm throwing out Proto-Germanic to a group of people, uh, you know, they're not, they're like, what? You know, like in, in their minds, they're trying to spell that, you know? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, have, you, have you ever sort of been in a, in a situation, um, I'm trying to find a best way to explain this, but where you're, you're going about your day or you're, you're going to a place and then all of a sudden a room just sort of comes and it just hits you. Yeah. You just like, um, I did a float tank. I did the, the, the deprivation. And, oh uh, yeah. And yeah. Stuff like an, that. Yeah. You know, after an hour where I'm, I'm floating in this, in this deprivation tank, I came out and I'm like, I feel like I have a better understanding of lagoons. Yeah. Oh sure. A lake room, a water room. Um, I've done stuff like that. Just be like, uh, yeah, specifically, going into it focusing like this is going to be about long yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean right. I've, I've, okay. I've done a float tank as well yeah 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 how do you how did you like that oh i i the float tanks i feel a little weird i mean i never really stopped thinking about that i'm naked and floating in water uh <laughs> personally like that's it's not yeah. that it's not that great for me i, I personally but uh uh you know i like I've said before, I think I said on a different podcast, you know, like I'll, I'll think about when that kind of stuff comes to me, I'll think about stuff in the shower or like, uh, right. Yeah. I, I used to love, and I, I got to get, find a way to get a hot tub back in my life. Cause that's my, that's my jam is I used to, I used to write rituals in the hot tub, uh, for yeah. forever. I mean, I would just sit there and, you know, you put on some, uh, you know, some dark ambient music and like I'd have it in mm, headphones yeah, exactly. and I'd sit yeah. there and kind of zone out and, you know, you stare at the water and it's like, you're looking at the well, and, uh, which, you know, it's kind of a very modern way to look at it, but you know, it's like people sat in hot springs. It's not that, that yeah. different, you know? And, uh, yeah, to, I think actually that's a really interesting way. And, and that's something that I did for a while. And maybe I take it for granted now cause I spent the time doing it, you know, like, uh, but to look at runes and these concept of runes and, uh, to associate it with something, uh, physical, mm-hmm. And, and real and uh, to have kind of experience. Yeah, like to, to go into a into one of those float tanks and, and think about uh, lagos. I've, I've done that uh, with guys where we did a meditation uh, on lagos actually in front of a frozen pond mm-hmm. in the winter and meditate because it's, it, we, well, we actually we did Isa, obviously, but uh, you know, it's a, then you have the, I wanted to go back the same you know, to the same place and do uh, lagos, like in the because uh, it's the two sides of this thing, you know, like water turns to ice, because we can, you know, there's been arguments made that we can't really experience these ruins or something in the way that our ancestors did, but we can have very, I mean, do you not? Can you not understand water? <laughs> you know, the nature yeah, I, I, of water, I I right? I mean, rubbish. that's a very elemental thing. You know, we can, yeah. we can go out and experience water in all of its forms yeah. and, uh, and, and think about water. I mean, that's a, it's a huge part of our lives. And I think that's, that's right. a lot of studying runes is, is about that. It's about thinking about these primal concepts that are still here and they're still around us. You know, I mean, yeah. you, 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 you know, aurochs, you know, okay, they're, they're extinct. Uh, but, right. but, uh, you know, you know, you can look at, uh, you know, Fehu and you have cows and, and, and they're still the Fehu and, and you have the, your cows and sheep and, and, and livestock and, and be around that and understand what that is. Right. Um, you know, like, uh, 
there, there's so many elemental things of the world, that, you know, with obviously you can fire and torches and, and horses and you can go out and find those and then connect them to the runes in your head. And once you've had that physical experience, you know, then, then the rune makes means more to you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I was doing a project oh, yeah. for a while where I was uh, trying to photograph the runes. Like, like I'm, oh, yeah. I'm going to take a picture of cows, you know, like, a, in a, in, in just different, you know, find it becomes like a, a game of like, where can I find the runes? And then you can, you can touch. I mean, you can even order Oroks. I think you've made things out of, of Oroks. I, I make, yeah, I make, uh, I make pieces out of Oroks bones. Yeah, you can find the bones, and so you can order them online. So you can actually touch an Oroks. I mean, so that becomes yeah. real to you as well. But yeah, what were you yeah. going to say? I'm sorry. Well, actually, I was, I was going to mention that very thing, the Oroks bones, oh, okay. um, because I've, I've made, I've, I've garnered quite a collection of Oroks bones. Um, and so I, I do tend to make quite a lot of these sort of Uru's talismans out of these bones. Um, and and I, I remember being in a museum in Copenhagen and, and sort of being face-to-face with the skeletal ore rocks there and, uh, and really sort of going, wow, yeah, okay, this is a place. And I, I, I did, I got goldered into the mouth of this ore. Um, and, and yeah, at that moment, I felt like I, I could really understand it. But, you know, you don't have to find an ore rocks. You can, you can go out into a field and find a big, sturdy-looking bull and and it'll terrify you just enough to really understand the meaning of aura. <laughs> yeah, it's close enough. Yeah, <laughs> it's close enough. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and that's exactly right. Uh, which sort of brings us to another point with with paganism, um, and and sort of coming back almost full circle to to coming to America um, with this ancient idea of paganism, um, and talking about how we we built on top of these ancient sites is that I think when we talk about paganism now, it's, it's very easy to slip into this sort of anachronistic idea of paganism. Um, we cannot be Vikings and our Viking ancestors didn't dress up like our bronze age ancestors because that's what their bronze age ancestors did. You know, um, so I, I think that for a, for a modern Germanic pagan, yeah, okay, we don't have the Aurochs anymore, but we we have to evolve it. We have to evolve it. We can't always go back. And I'm sorry, I say this as somebody who worked in museums for 20 years. You can't always look to the past for answers. Um, you have to look in the natural world around you because the, the natural world is the ultimate expression of the divine. You know, it's been, it's been given to us by the divine, um, with you know, little um, little complication in between us and them. So it, it, it's that's that's where it is. Like you said, it's in the fire, it's in the ice, it's in the water, it's in the animals. Um, and that's that's where we can go. We don't have to go back to um, you know trying to figure out what the Vikings would do. We can go back to the source. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you're not, that's, it's so frustrating. You know, the people who, you know, want to a people who think they are Vikings. Uh, <laughs> that's the, silly. And uh, you know, you know, 
and people who think that everything is about going back and you can't go back. And you know, there's the, the thing, and I, I use this a lot uh, because I start the world as my you know, catchphrase and, and, and it, it's meant more and more to me over the years. And, you know, there's, there's the, you know, the history of the word world and that it's a, it's really, you know, it has man in it and it has age in it. And it's really an age of men. It's like a, it's, it's a space of time and perception. And we can only live in our world. Yeah. We can't live in their world. We don't know what that was like. You know, we can, we can, like as we said, experience some of the same concepts, get in touch with some of the same ideas. There is part of it that's in our blood. It's, it's there, but at the same time, we can only live in our age. And I think that's the, that's the challenge of our age. And this is something I was writing about recently uh, for, for the book I'm working on, but the challenge of our age really is to, to have access to all of this, all of this information. We have, all, we, we you, know, it, you know, it's like Odin's chair that he sits on. We, 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 have, we can look out and see everything in a way that no one ever could, you know, like, uh, you know, okay. Vikings, like their, their world is as far as their eyes could see, you know, or as far as they could travel. And, uh, that, that was it. And they didn't know that much about the times before them. I mean, that was a few generations, you know, what's generational memory. Like, uh, you know, you know, the people, you know, once, once it gets back to their great, great grandfather, like how much do you know about that guy? You know? Yeah, although yeah. which is I sad, but <laughs> right. But they're, they're, I think their world changed at a much slower pace than ours has. Oh, totally. So I, I, I think that for them, and uh, you know, an axe in the eighth century probably didn't look that much different than an axe did in the fifth century. <laughs> That's true. Um, so, so from that. That aspect, yeah, their their world was always familiar, and the people they grew up with were familiar. <laughs> we are sort of thrown into a world where things are very unfamiliar and becoming more unfamiliar uh, because of the rapid change that, that we see around us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's almost I feel like we're always kind of trying to play catch up with uh, with that. You know, <laughs> to, to steal your phrase with the empire of nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah, because they're, they're always trying to trick us into to, um, to going after the next thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas manifesting the will is, is the important thing. And that's, that's sort of the object of magic. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, to manifest your will and create your own world around you. Exactly. Um, so, so, any tool that you can use to do that, to create a world in which you are um, better, which you are stronger, happier, um, more well-rounded, uh, whatever, whatever tools you have at your disposal um, to, to manifest your will, use them. Um, and I, I think that that's, that's a realization that's been a long time coming for me. And it's really something I only get on over the last couple of years. The stuff that I'm doing now, I wish I'd have been doing this 10, 15 years ago. Mm. Um, I think it took a long time for me to come to this realization. I had to, to go through a lot of growth to get to this point. Um, but now, 
you know, I'm, I'm at a, a stage in my life where I, I think I'm, I'm happier than I've ever been. I'm more stable than I've ever been. But I'm manifesting my will because I'm doing what I want to do. Right. Uh, yeah. And that's really what the, the purpose of this is. And I think that a lot of people miss that because they're trying, like I said, to do something that they think they should do or or whatever, but you're really trying to be the best version of yourself and, and manifest yeah, your will and whatever you're going to be and use these ancient tools or ideas, uh, universal concepts uh, to, to do that. You know, to tap into something old and, uh, and make it new. I, I like, that's, a, I guess, I guess it was an Ezra Pound slogan at, at some point that got picked up by the modernists, but you know, like take, take something old and make it new, you know, make it, make, bring it to life. You bring the past to life. Yeah. 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 Um, that, that's, uh, that's ancient, ancient virtues in a, in a modern age. Um, I think it's sort of the only, the only way forward. Yeah, you you can't because yeah you can't uh, you can't go back, you know you can't no, go back. No. So you have to 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 find a way to make this these things relevant. You know, as we were talking about, you know, to, whether it's the runes or uh, you know, but we can. What what is interesting to me at this point is that you can see the connections between all these different cultures and how they evolved. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I think the really cha- the really interesting thing about the modern world is that you can see. Okay, well, these people then became these people and were conquered by these people. And then this, this, this changed in this way, you know, and there's all these, you know, people think that they're getting, they want a piece of like static wisdom. Right. Yeah. I think like, here's the true way that it always was back in the day, you know, and, but then you realize that all this was always changing and always in flux, you know, I mean, certain things, you know, rocks, fire, these things never go away, but, yeah, uh, yeah. that's, that, those are eternal, but you know, the way in which people dealt with these things, like how much did, did Greek letters influence the runes and how much do you sure. know, like, yeah. you know, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, the sign, uh, behind me, I mean, uh, that was my make it new. I'll uh, take, uh, this thing, which I hope to see this year in, in Zurich uh, where it was found, uh, you know, it's a bronze age sun wheel. Mm-hmm. It was probably Celtic. You know, it, it was probably yeah. for the Celts because of where the tribal movements of that time, you know, yeah. but, um, you know, there's so many things that you can you know, come in contact with, but do you consider yourself, do, do you practice also true? I, I, I'll be honest with you. I think at one point I would have said yes, but now I, I don't think that that's necessarily true. Um, if, if one can, in fact, define also true. I, I tend to think of myself as sort of a son of Albion. And so I am, you know, I, I have embraced sort of the Celtic roots of what I do, as well as the Germanic roots. Um, I, I think that my, my Germanic stuff is informed by the Scandinavian world, but, uh, but I have very little Scandinavian um, in my DNA. Uh, but I tend to think of myself maybe sort of a, sort of a broad spectrum Indo-European. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that there's sort of some wisdom to be found in the Eddas, and there's some wisdom to be found in the Vedas, um, and there's some wisdom maybe to be, be found over here in Beowulf. Uh, so it's uh, 
I, I think sort of from that Indo-European family tree, uh, that's where I I tend to walk that path. Um, but you know, I don't I, I don't know what to call myself anymore, and I don't know that it even matters. Um, you know, we'll, yeah, we'll, it really doesn't. Uh, yeah, cap, I, I always I say capital P pagan. You know, that was what we used to be. It's just pagan. You know, heathen, Alter true, Odin. You know, people hate the word uh, uh, pagan because uh, they think, I guess, because I, I think just because of Etsy, which is, uh, you know, and people, and people like that, you know, like they hate the word pagan because it seems like, you know, this kind of mall, uh, shopping mall kind of like girl thing. Um, yeah. But I, I've always liked it. I mean, to me, pagan is like ancient Greece, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, yeah. uh, and which is also part of this whole Indo-European thing. Right. You know, which people, I think... I've always been surprised that that never became a practice. You know, in, in the 20th century, you had all these people trying to reach back to all these uh, different traditions, like, uh, you know, whether it was the Celtic or the Germanic or, you know, trying to bring back these pieces of the Indo-European puzzle. And I always, it was always bizarre to me that there was never really a successful movement uh, for the Greek material. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen some sort of like Hellenic Reconstructionist groups that have sparked up, and I believe, if I remember correctly, they, they tried to hold a ritual at the Parthenon uh, several years ago, uh, which was much shunned, as you can imagine, by the, by the Orthodox Church. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's not something I've, I've come across, but I've not really looked for it. So. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, I didn't really go out of my way to look for it, but I mean, it's one of those things like the, the Germanic thing is very prominent yeah, uh, in, yeah. in paganism. And uh, I just, I've always thought it was odd just because there's so much source material, you know, like with the Greeks, they have so much more source material and yeah. uh, it, we actually know how they performed rituals and they, you know, like there's exact descriptions of things. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I just... I mean, it always, it always surprised me that like, here's, it's written out for you how to do it, you know, but I, I, I think, I think Greeks and Romans should absolutely uh, perform Greek and Roman ceremonies and, you know, follow that path. I mean, there's, there's really something special when you're sort of in the presence of those ancient Roman temples and the Greek temples. Oh, yeah. uh, but of course, my, my, my Germanic soul um, would, would never allow me to embrace anything Greco-Roman. But anybody who reads my tier article will, will know all my views on that. Right, uh, right, right. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm a creature of the forest. That's uh, you know, I'm much happier amongst logs than I am amongst uh, giant marble temples. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that. There should be, and, and I'm sure there will be. I mean, we're just at the beginning of all of this. And you, you, you know, it's like 15 years ago. If you saw another guy wearing a Thor's hammer, you were like, oh, <laughs> you know, hey, hey, man, you know. You know, I, like I have a, an Agus Hammer, uh, you know, tattoo right here, and my, my Vegas here, and I have some runes on, my, on me, and I'm like, I kind of joke about it. I kind of call it my basic bitch, uh, like heathen. <laughs> but it's, it, send, it sends out a signal. And, and yeah, yeah, right. you all of a sudden, right. it, yeah. it's an opener. People will talk to you. They want to talk about the thing. Yeah. But, right. Right. but yeah. yeah, you were saying like, you know, 15 years ago, you wouldn't see as much of that. 
and now it's really, really big. Sure, sure, yeah. I mean, exactly. You, like you see your red Virginia tattoos and Hager Chalmers tattoos. I mean, I've got, I've got my Neil Near tattoo. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it, yeah, you're right. You, you're kind of throwing out the signs. But now it's everywhere. I mean, it's, it, there's so many people that are, and, and of course, you know, the Vikings TV show's got a lot to do with it. Uh, for Wheel or for Woe, um, it's at least bringing around the recognition, you know, of, of some of these ancient ideas. I mean, it used to be in the tactical world 15 years ago, mm -hmm. everything was samurai stuff. Right. You know, because, because it was all about the Japanese martial culture, because they had a martial culture that was very easy to embrace. And the idea of sort of a, a Northern European martial culture seems very strange and unfamiliar. Well, now, I mean, my goodness, uh, you know, the Northern European martial culture is, is all over the sort uh, of the, the, ta the tactical space. Yeah, yeah. And I, that, that's, I mean, actually, that's where I think a lot of my, my audience is actually. And, and that's, that's good because, like, you have, your own, you have your own martial tradition that you're connected to. And, right, uh, exactly. you know, so yeah, you'll, now you'll see a lot of guys who are, you know, uh, very successful in the military in some way or very successful in martial arts and they'll have rune tattoos. I mean, I had a, a guy walk into the, uh, the jiu-jitsu gym where I was rolling the other day and he had, it, it, you, you always know that something's going on because I, I actually, he had heathen in runes tattooed across his knuckles. Sure. And, and I was like, I was like, I will say heathen, you know, because I can read the runes, and so I know what they actually yeah. say. And and and, uh, and he was like, oh, no one's ever gotten that right before. I was like, I know. We're in the we're in the secret special club. Yeah, we we're in the club yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're in the club I, now, right? Yes, yeah, so I read your runes. I, I I speak this language that you're talking. Yeah. About. yeah. Uh, but yeah, sure, but you know. If, if Beowulf can name his sword, and we see sword hilts with Volknots carved in them in the ancient world, mm -hmm. then you know why? Why wouldn't you see the same thing carved in the you know, lower receiver of an AR? Um, you know, in, in a modern martial. That's one of the things that I think, especially if they they grow up and they're not particularly inclined towards Christianity, uh, they're looking for they're doing something heroic, right. and so they're looking for heroic. Yeah, a heroic religious perspective or heroic spirituality, and they want to get in, and so they see this. It's much easier for them to identify with the Thor and the and the hammer and and, and so forth. And I mean, that's that speaks to them. I mean, I right. know I, I've I I've tattooed a, a Gungnir rune on, on somebody um, who teaches, um, you know. For, you know, firearms. And he thinks like basically the, the air 15 or the modern rifle is the spear, you know, mm -hmm. that's the spear that we use now. And, yeah. uh, you know, the same thing I, I've seen a lot of guys take, you know, have you know, Mjolnir on handguns. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's because that's the hammer that you would use. So, so don't you think that, um, in that sense then what they're doing is they're participating in a magical ritual. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Whether they're giving, they they're giving, because all of this, all of this is about uh, imparting meaning, you know, giving, giving meaning to something. You want your life right. to be more meaningful. And so you're adding the myth and the poetry and all this stuff to it. And, and that's what they're doing. They're attaching significance to this and in, in, in involving the subconscious and, and poetry 
and, and so forth into this object. Yeah. It becomes a magical object, really. I mean, that's the way, you know, in the way that our ancestors would have like put runes into it or whatever, they're making, this is my magical gun that I may have to use to save my own life or to, yeah. or to take someone else's. And yeah. uh, this, is, this is a magical object. And I think that more people should do things like that. You know, like, uh, it, you know, I was talking, uh, one of the earlier podcasts I was telling you about earlier about uh, uh, my friend who's a, a Mormon. And uh, he, he, he's fascinated by some of the stuff that I do because he's like, you're, you're involving so much symbolism in your life. I want to take my symbolism and do the same thing. So he had a ring with one of their sacred symbols made for himself. So that was part of his, you know, accessories that he's wearing is this thing that means something to me that's important. Right. And, uh, and I think that, yeah, I mean, I think that people should do these objects that you use, whether it's, whether it's your car or whether it's your, uh, you know, bring the myth back into your life in that way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I've, I've done uh, a big thing actually that I, I did years ago. I, I've, I've been wearing the same lifting belt for yeah, it's it's old now. I mean, it's it's probably at least like eight years old. I would say uh, I've been using the same lifting belt for a long time. And uh, you know, when I first started out in this, I uh, put uh, uh, Urus. I spelled out Urus back on the back of it in runes. And uh, because I think that yeah, if you're squatting, that is that is a you know beast of burden kind of bull thing, you know. And uh, so I put Urus back on it, and I know other people have done the same thing independently. And uh, and as that wore off, then lifting became more of a thunrush thing for me. It became like this just Thor energy. And so like I, I went over the that with uh, you know spell out uh, thunrush, and uh, and. And that became, and I've actually taken that to my lifting belt to ritual and blooded it. You know, it yeah. was actually it, during a, a sacrifice that I did to, to, to you know, Thor, uh, to that kind of, you know, red lightning energy. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, so it's been blooded with that. So now when I walk into the gym, I mean, I'm sure people would be horrified if they knew, but I'm, I'm carrying this thing that's really covered in maybe some blood and viscera and runes and all this stuff that that's what I, that's what I squat in all the time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's interesting because then also what you've seen there is your own magical evolution. Oh, absolutely. What we were talking about with this idea of faking it till you make it or, or, you know, the fact that the magic is a practice is that it starts out because, okay, that's, that's the most sensible uh, place to begin with. But then for you, it, it, it evolved then into something else, and then that became something that had to be cemented in blood. Um, uh, I think that's great. I think that's great. So you have you have a, a talisman. You know, Absolutely, you've created an, an excellent talisman. Yeah, and I, I think that yeah, that people should. That's that's what this is really about. I mean, people want to get in. People always say they want to get more spiritual, right? Mm-hmm. They want to get more yeah. spiritual. They want to become in contact with something bigger. And I think that that's how you do it is you find something that is important to you in your life and then you infuse it with more and more meaning. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, can you think of, can you give any examples of, of, of things like that? Well, I think it's like, it's like people that want to get into meditation and they sit there for 30 minutes, you know, staring at the ceiling or staring at the back of their eyelids and they can't shut their minds off. 
um, because they're reaching too far. You know, five minutes of good meditation is better than 30 minutes of just sitting there um, waiting for, you know, waiting for the time where you can stand up and, and get on with your day. Um, so I think I think anything can be infused with meaning. I think you can step in the shower and say, you know, I'm cleansing myself of of ill will to start my day, you know, or you know, I'm cleansing the day off of me before I go to bed. Uh, this is, you know, I'm, I'm washing this away and I'm, I'm going into this dream state, fresh and clean. I mean, something as simple as as, as taking a shower can become a magical act mm-hmm. um, if you. If you do it with magical intent, eating food, I mean, that's the most simple thing of all is that you, you take, you're, you're actually taking something into your body and then breaking it down so that it can do things for you. It can give you energy. It can make you sleepy. Um, you know, it could, uh, um, it can make you a little bit smarter. So, so yeah. even when you add a little spirituality, to, to taking in food, you know, just a moment before you eat to say, okay, you know, I, this, this thing was alive. This meat, this steak that I'm about to devour was once a beast. And now that beast has died. And now I shall take this beast into my mouth and I shall turn it into energy. Um, and then I'm going to take that energy and I'm going to go forth and do something with it. You know, that that's a magical act because you're transforming and mutating, but you're you're adding it to your will, and it's the will that then makes it magical. Um, so I think the most mundane thing can become spiritual acts of magic. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think that's where the real growth in this area is because I think that uh, a lot of people, when they first. Uh, <laughs> You know, in the early stages, like I said, this 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 whole neo pagan thing is only like fifty years old or something like that, more or less. You know, uh, and it was it, you know, I maybe mean, there's a long tradition that's that's longer, but like the kind of modern era of it. Um, and uh, the guys who are attracted to it, you know, are probably a little bit originally were probably a little bit more like you and me. You know, people who are always been interested in symbolism and magic and poetry and and uh, and and the subconscious and and archetypes and all that kind of stuff, and we're the, that kind of guy. But uh, more and more, because people are looking for some kind of tradition, because they're if they're post-Christian, and uh, you know whether it's these uh, gun guys or whatever, they're looking for something. Uh, but they're not that kind of guy. You know, they they they're very much rooted in practic in the practical world, but they want they realize that they need some kind of spiritual aspect to their life. And so I think that the real challenge is like, what do you give these guys to do that is, is uh, meaningful for them, but also practical, mm-hmm. you know, cause because they're not the guys who just want to, I want to do rituals cause I'm that kind of dude that want, always, always wanted to do that. You know uh, they want something practical. And I think that, yeah, what, the stuff we we're just talking about uh, making talismans, uh, like that and uh, you know of objects that you use that are important to you is what it's going to be for them You know, yeah and, and I think that especially for for guys it's We, we, we want to build things we want to create things um, It's not enough just to have this as some sort of mental exercise. There has to be an end result yeah, ma- masculinity is action. It's an active principle. Something that we yeah. can see. Um, and 
Exactly right. So, so to to like you said, whether it's you know putting runes on your belt or you know putting hanging a, a rider rune in your van or um, you know wearing a a, a, a Mjolnir, you know, even just just putting on your your Mjolnir in the morning and saying you know to, to, today I shall I shall you know, force through with my will. Um, you know that, that I shall manifest these things. Uh, I think all of those are, are, are really important, but but we want physical evidence. We we need something that we can touch and hold, um, because if it's not, then it's just an intellectual exercise, and that will only work for a very very small amount of people. I know some people that it does work for, um, but uh, but I think for for most of us. We like to have something physical in our hands that we can touch and say, "This is a spiritual thing. This is a thing for me." And that's that's why I think even in the in the Christian world, we attached so much importance to the mythology of the Grail and the Ark. Mm-hmm. You know, even even our Christian ancestors wanted a thing that they could touch, as mythical and mystical as it might be. You know, there, there's got to be a thing that has meaning to it. Yeah, you know, I think that that's actually a really good place. Um, maybe because we both get all these guys who are coming to us looking for their first steps, and you know, like where do I go with this? And really, I think maybe that's a good direction to send people. Um, you know, men need to do something and make something. Uh, you know, you know, start there. You know, look at these ideas intellectually, and then perform some action. You know, perform some action and make something and make some kind of, you know, talisman or something that means something to you that you use is maybe a first step, I think, for a lot. of. Obviously, they have to study some things so they know even what they're doing. Sure. But but uh, I mean, I think, yeah, to bring it into real life, because not everyone's going to be, a, you know, a meditator or a uh, not necessarily. Med- I mean, most people can do that, but uh, not everyone's going to be as into the. <laughs> you know, like the wizard side of things, you know, but uh, anyone can do, can take something and add meaning to it and, uh, you know, make it more important to them. And, and it, then it also shows intent uh, amongst your, your in-group um, that you are willing to take the time and the effort to produce this thing and then return to the group and say, look what I made. Right. Uh, and, and that's that's a really important aspect of, of tribal society is that you're saying I, I I've created this thing of worth. Um, now judge me on it. <laughs> you know? uh, because again, that's allowing yourself to be vulnerable to the group because you're opening yourself to criticism, but you're also um, giving yourself space to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and a place, uh, and it helps you find your base point. If you don't know what your base point is, you don't know where to go from. Um, and I think there are a lot of guys that are afraid to find their base point for fear of ridicule, um, and especially within the magical world. You know, we, we, we talk about the occult because it's unseen, mm-hmm. but I think what becomes different in the Germanic world is that we tend to do things in a tribal sense, and we tend to do things with and around other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're we're not just sitting in our mother's basements trying to conjure demons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and and the thing too, I think, uh, 
Yeah, it is a little bit, a little bit about opening yourself up to, to, to trying something new. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys, this is a really common thing. Will, they want to know the right way. Yeah. They want to know here, how, what is the right way to do this? You know, like, the, and, and that makes them very actually susceptible to like creepy gurus. Uh, cause the, oh. the creepy, a guru will tell you what the right way is. Like this, yeah. <laughs> this is the true way. And I, I'm the only one who knows the secret of the spiritual thing, yeah. you know, and, yeah. uh, that, that guy, you know, is going to lead you down a bad path. But if you, you know, if you deal with, I think you and I are both pretty humble. And we're like, well, I was doing this for a while, and then this this actually works better for me now. And uh, I think that everyone really has to approach it in that way, you know, and not and not be like, well, uh, yeah, I, I'm the only person who knows the secrets of the world, you know. Um, you know, that's kind of ridiculous. Uh, but uh, you know, everybody's just learning. You know, everybody's just learning and figuring it out. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. So, what would you say that you're? Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. no back to you, back to you. Okay. What would you say that, uh, I mean, I just think this is kind of fun cause no one else would do this. Uh, I mean, what, what ruins speaking to you right now? Like, and not, not like at this moment, but like, what's your, your thing right now? Oh, um, I, I, I think at this, at this point, I, I you know, it has to be failure. Um, which is, you know, sort of the beginning of everything, right? Mm -hmm. The beginning okay. of the food fast, because because I've been at the beginning of a new journey over the last couple of years. Um, but it's also about creating wealth. You know, I'm in my forties now. Um, I'm in a position where I'm I'm starting to 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 garner my own mobile wealth uh, and, and getting to a place where I'm a, a bit more comfortable. Um, so I know I'm. I'm building my herd of cattle, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I, th I think, I think Behu is, uh, is, is probably the, the rune of the moment for me, but that's because I've just started my own business and, mm -hmm. and that's been definitely the forefront. So, um, yeah. Yeah, no, it's a, it's interesting with runes and so forth that these things speak to you differently over the years and like this one's now and this, uh, I know that for me personally, obviously, you know, anything attached to the sun right now is really big for me uh, because that's just kind of where I'm at in life. But in uh, in my ideas and what I'm working on, but uh, something that jumped, one of the things that jumped out to me, especially for masculinity, a few years ago, you know, you start out, you know, with the basic stuff, oh, manas and you know, like that's the basic stuff, but rido. Uh, the concept of riding, I think, is so essential to almost anything involving masculinity. Mm. And uh, because, you know, if you're, if you're riding something, whether you're driving a car, um, you're doing it wrong if you're holding on super tight. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> anything, anything. And, and yeah, yeah. you have to learn the essence of the really masculine um, – whether it's martial arts, anything, you know, you're holding a gun, you don't do it like this. There's, there's a loose, there's the loose hole that you have to learn for everything. And to me, that's what Rido is like learning how to do that. Like to be able to have the action of that, I think is so essential to most masculine activities. Mm, and yeah. so that's something that spoke to me just because, you know, that's what I study is masculinity and, and so forth. And, and so that, that really spoke to me that, that kind of, you know, like uh, hold on loosely, like that song or whatever, uh, like, uh, 
Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's a ride out to me is I, I'm really interested. I, w- I really want to ride some horses. That's, I, I want to try and make wow. that happen this year. I haven't rid- ridden a horse since I was probably a kid. And yeah. I think that action is such a, it's so old and it's so Indo-European. I mean, it's like they sure, were, sure. the Indo-Europeans are, you know, probably the pe- first people to domesticate the horse. And so it's just yeah. part of this tradition that goes back 5,000 years, you know, and it's part of our world is these horses. Yeah, yeah. yeah know, it's like just, like, just, just out of frame right here, there's a giant horse skull up nice. on my wall. Um, my missus my is hard for love very connected to horses horse is very very interesting to, to spend time around them um i was always a little bit fearful of them as a kid you know i uh, should be they're they're, they're big <laughs> they are yeah i mean some of these like the percherons and things that, uh, that my wife works with i mean they are just absolutely you know they take your breath away because you see a horse on television there's nothing like standing next to you know, a big Belgian or you know, one of these big grasshoppers. Wow. You know, you see the musculature in the animal and it's looking at you. And like, yeah, okay, this is, this is a powerful thing. Um, so, so yeah, you're, I, I like that idea. I'm, I'm thinking about what you said about sort of holding the reins loose. That when you are the master of something very powerful, like this horse, that you're able to do it with, the, with just simple, loose gestures, and you can make that force move with you. Um, yeah, yeah, there becomes that, that nice um, sort of synchronized action. Um, yeah, but it's also interesting because it takes two of you, you know, you've got to be in tune with the horse, right? It's just yeah. like you know, driving a car, you've got to be in tune with your car, you've got to know what its abilities, what its limits are, what it's, uh, what it's able to do. I mean, yeah. I, I drive this uh, this van right now, the biggest vehicle I've ever owned. Uh, and I, I remember for the first two weeks, I was driving it like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> in fact, I think when I picked you up in Orlando, I think I've had it for less than a week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when I was driving you around in it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, it's like, it's like Pete Houston off the, the English actors to say that Americans drove their cars like this, uh, like one hand out the window, chewing gum. You know, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, all, that's, that's, that's me driving the van now. It's like this. Yeah. Um, but it takes a while to get comfortable. That's, I'm going to think about Rido like that more now. That's, uh, I like that. That's interesting. So this is why wizards need to talk about I know. This. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, exactly. It's... Uh, and and again, like I said, people are always looking for uh, the right answer uh, with runes. And there are some basic answers, you know, like here, here's what we think it means. We've, you know, these are the basic concepts that's attached to, but they're very simple. Yeah. And then, but uh, the, the challenge of it is really to think about, you know, this rune or that rune over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And you just, different things come to you and yeah. it's related to you. And, uh, and so you have a different observation. I mean, obviously, I just gave you that observation. You're you're doing the Feihu thing. You know, we could sit here and talk about all the different runes. Like, well, what do you think about this one? I mean, there's the yeah, you know, there's the Perthro, which that one's just a tricky one because <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, and, it's and hard to figure out the meaning into, of that. Yeah, you can start getting into the formulas, like the Alu formula. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to the Alu formula. So yeah, yeah, it's I I agree though because. 
this is something that we've, we've both studied for so many years. Um, but I, I would be lying if I said that I felt like I understood the rules. <laughs> you know, like, what are you, Odin? <laughs> right? Yeah, no, I mean, you, you, you never stop understanding it. And there are, because there are so many um, avenues that you can take with it. Mm. And they just constantly surprise you. Uh, but I, I, I think that, you know, like, like we were talking about the float tank and a lagoon, there might be three or four or five rooms out of the entire Elder Food Park where I feel like I've really experienced it. Mm -hmm. You know, there's one thing to have an understanding of it, but it's, I think, something else to really be experienced the uh, Oh, absolutely. That, 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 for me, maybe that's the lifetime work. Maybe that's the, the great thing. Um, is uh, is to to fully experience through your lifetime all the experience, and I imagine that that would be especially for the few of us who really try. Yeah, that's almost like uh, I've been reading a little bit of Plato recently, and uh, you know, I guess in his in his worldview, all the eventually true wisdom you you just see the forms you don't see you don't see things that you just see the forms you know like the perfect the perfect tree not that tree but tree you know you know just say yeah. the runes are a little bit like that i mean really you get to the point where you're you're just experiencing the concept is kind of what you were talking about really like uh, and that's and that's where when people are asking for direction of where to go with these kind of things yeah go out and find see if you can experience you know, experience that room, you know, seek out yeah. that kind of experience. You know? Yeah. I, I find that the, for those that I feel that I've really experienced, I've rarely set out with the intention of experience. Mm -hmm. I have set out with the intention of experiencing a room, but not had it happen. Um, right. Usually when it, it, it's when you're not looking for it, I, for, for me, it's different for everybody, but for me, it's when I'm not looking for it and it just kind of comes from out and the menu, it's like, oh, okay. This is this is internalized now. This has gone from something that's concept to something that's integral. Right, right. Cool. All right. Well, I'm, I think uh, we're getting close to the end here, but I, I wanted to ask you. This is kind of a thing that I do on the show. Um, I like to help kind of men raise each other up in a certain mm -hmm. way, and uh, who. Who's inspiring you right now? I mean, it could be that um, people always are like, what celebrity do I have to mention? And it doesn't have to be like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, okay. I, mean, I mean, it could be someone you know that no one else knows. Okay, you know, like my grandpa is really experienced. Yeah, like it doesn't. Yeah. But, uh, you know, who's, who's really inspiring you? Um, I, I think, okay, so if, if, I, if I lose all of the historical characters which have, have influenced me through the years, uh, people right now, well, Nigel Pennick, um, the okay. English writer, um, uh, his most recent book, The Eldritch World. Uh, he's an incredibly prolific writer. He's written for the Tear Journals as well. Um, and I, I think he's been putting out some really special stuff lately. Mm -hmm. Uh, of course, Edric Thorson, uh, we mentioned him earlier. Mm -hmm. I would say, uh, you know, he's, he's a great place to start with the runes, uh, a character not without controversy. Um, but I would, I would absolutely stand up for his work. 
Um, other than that, I'll tell you somebody who's, who I think is really cool. Uh, there's a chap I follow on Instagram. His name is Will Lord. Okay. And he's, uh, I think he's worth following because I, I think he's really, <laughs> we hear this a lot. I'm living my authentic life, but I think he actually is. He is a, a stone age reenactor. Okay. Um, and he has created for himself uh, a life where he teaches ancient survival skills okay. uh, from building bows to flint mapping to casting bronze swords. But he actually grew up at Grimes Graves. Uh, his parents were the caretakers of Grimes Graves. So Grimes Graves is a Neolithic flint mine in East okay. Anglia. Uh, and that was like his playground when he was a kid. And he still takes people on limited courses to go into Grimes Graves and to sort of go down into the pits, which still exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I think he's been doing some really, really interesting stuff. Uh, I've never met him. I've had very little uh, conversation with him just via text. But uh, but I would say he's he's been kind of an influence because I, he, he does all these crafts, but I have no idea how to do it. And that always inspires me to, to, to move on and try something new. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that sounds good. All right, man. Well, th- thanks for coming on the show. Thank uh, you for having me. No problem. And, and again, tell people where to go uh, for, to, to find out more about your work and, and the things that you sell and so forth. It's, it, it's Albion Grove all across the web. Facebook, Instagram, website is albiongrove.com. Um, so, yeah, find me, uh, find me there. All right. Yeah. It sells some really, really neat stuff. All right. Cool. Thank you. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate it. All right. Cool.